Hi, I'm Jamie Solis, writer of Nightwing and Batgirl Year One, and you're listening to Comics in Motion. It is your duty to report that to the police. You're letting your imagination run away with you. No, I have never seen this creature that you're talking about. Forgive me, Doctor, but I am calling you a liar. Mr. McGee! Mr. McGee, don't make me angry. You wouldn't like me when I'm angry. Right, welcome everyone. This is episode 73 of the Comics in Motion podcast. I am one of your hosts, Chris Phelps, and my co-host and very good friend is Mr. Dave Horrocks. Hi, Chris, and hello to our listeners out there. Welcome to Comics in Motion. What we like to do here is we like to review movies and TV shows that are based on comic books. Myself, I'll be reviewing from the perspective of a long-time comic book reader. And I'll be reviewing from the TV and movie perspective. And what we also like to do is we like to spoil the hell out of everything we review. So if you haven't watched our choice of the week, then we'd advise you to proceed with caution. And what we also love is when you can head over to Apple Podcasts or your podcast catcher of choice and drop us a five-star review. This really helps us to grow the show and gets us out there to other listeners. So, Chris, we're recording a little bit ahead of time this week because you're off on your holidays. So are you all set? I am all set, Dave, but looking at the weather app, I think it's going to be about the same temperature as the UK over in Spain next week. So I'm just going to take full advantage of plenty of alcohol and food, I think, which isn't like me to be having alcohol in the daytime, but I might need it judging by the weather reports I'm getting. So it's not looking good, Dave, at all. Whereabouts in Spain is it? Well, we're going Costa Brava, which is the, the top of Spain. It's sort of the north, and it is renowned for being quite cold on and off. You get a lot of the clouds and that from the Pyrenees coming down from France. So we're sort of in between the top of Costa Brava and Barcelona. So I am supposed to be going on the new camp tour while I'm there, but I've heard that there's like three-hour waiting time. So it might just be a case of standing outside, taking some black pictures like we've been on the tour and then just, just going around Barcelona <laughs> for the day. But yeah, I'm looking forward to it. It's better than being here and being in work anyway. So yeah. I, I, we're taking these... Are, me, me brother's coming up, he lives in Wales with his missus and my nephew, so there's going to be like six of us going, so that's going to be pretty good. Yeah, yeah. It, it does beg the question, so it's, it's known for being rainy and stuff, so why are you going there? <laughs> <laughs> well, well, we decided, because we'd obviously done Vegas last year, and I'd done New York through work, and then Sam had gone to Rome, so we'd not actually, we always have a Spanish holiday of such, you know, by the pool or whatever. And we always go all inclusive. And we'd seen all these deals in January, and Sam's adamant, like, she wanted to go away twice this year. But because Jordan, my daughter, is obviously 18 now, we don't have that problem with school holidays. So we can, for what we used to pay for the three of us, we can get away twice a year now, which is great. But we didn't plan on the fact that we booked for May, didn't check the weather because it was a cracking price. And it's a really, really well-reviewed hotel. I proper go in on this, uh, Dave, you know, I'm not like where I'm going, but didn't check the weather. So it's a bargain. Why is it so cheap? Look yeah. at this. Let's bug it. Yeah, honestly. And we all booked it. And then, and then we were looking at fingers. Sam's dying to go to like the Maldives and that. And I saw the cracking deal. And all of a sudden she went, not Maldives at Maldives. It's not monsoon season. Is this for next year? And a lot of them went, yeah, it is. <laughs> <laughs> well, to be honest, I mean, I did go to Jamaica right in hurricane season and we ended up getting evacuated onto the Dominican Republic. So, you know, I've, I've done it as well. Yeah, it's, it's just... It's just one of them things. We'll suck it and see. The weather's nice for like five of the seven days. It's the last two days. It's looking a bit iffy, but that might be the day we actually do go into Barcelona. So I, I've 
been to Spain. I've grew up in Spain my whole life as a kid. We used to go for months on end, so I expect it sometimes. We have been lucky, but we've always gone away around July, August because of Jordan's school time. But obviously, we're two years shy of that now, so we, we should have just researched. Should have gone to southern Spain, Dave, but we dropped an absolute clanger there. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I the same as you. I mean, I, I went to Spain loads when I was a kid, and it, it was just the destination to go to, wasn't it? And I, I do remember, though, because that old adage, you know, the rain in Spain falls mainly on the plane. I remember thinking as a kid, it's that's rubbish. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Nearly always rained when we were there. But, yeah, uh, yeah. no, it's, like you say, it's going to be good to just get away. It's always great to just get out. Yeah, go to it, new places, experience like where to eat and stuff, and no, it'd be great. No, it'd be good, Dave. It's just because we just love going away as a family and just chilling out. I think I love doing all the daft activities, so I'd be well into the pools and the, the shooting, Dave, and the, if there's a pool tournament, even though I'm not very good at pool, I'll just I'll join in anything because I get bored sat there all day. So, uh, but then again, if the rain's on, Dave, I won't be sat anywhere. So, we'll, we'll, <laughs> I'll give you all a full report when I come back. I must admit. Well, if you do get onto the Barcelona tour, have you, have you done it before, actually? No, I haven't. I've been to the nude camp, and I've been in Barcelona plenty of times as a kid, but I've never actually done the tour. Uh, right. It's it's pretty good. I, I mean, I liked it. But I was going to say, if you do go down there, um, just chuck a few things at, at the Phil Coutinho <laughs> yeah. scarecrow. <there. laughs> the Suarez one. The, the effigy that yeah. they're currently burning at the minute. So, yeah, uh, yeah, I will do. I'll have a word with him. Yeah. So has anything caught your eye this week? Yeah, I've, I've, I've more. Something's caught my eye, and I, I need your help on this because I've not seen the actual film and we've mentioned it loads of times. But Watchmen promo for the new TV series has come out. I've seen the trailer. Really interested. Obviously, there's a real like clock effect to it, isn't there, in the actual way they've promoted the, this trailer. But I have no idea about the film dave i've never seen it but it just looks my cup of tea from what i've seen in the trailer i mean obviously you've seen the film and we are going to review it i mean what do you think of it well i think what they're going to do so the watchman movie is very much based on the alan moore graphic novel and i think what they're going to do with the series going off this promo is they're going to take the more recent doomsday clock storyline right kind of work with that so i don't think they're the same now again though it it just makes me think yeah we definitely need to to do that i'm sure we're doing it in the next few weeks because matt from jasper reviews was asking about sort of reviewing that with us but yeah really really dark uh gritty kind of story really yeah they said it was unfilmable um it's zach schneider Oh, great. And I think... (laughs) (laughs) Not Scott, no. (laughs) Not Scott Snyder, as I keep calling him. Um, But yeah, but honestly, I think it's probably Zack Snyder's best thing that he's done. Um, So yeah, we'll have to watch that. But like I say, you don't... I don't know if you have to watch the movie to watch the series, because I think it's going to be taking a different different storyline. But just to immerse yourself in that world, I mean, it, it was written kind of in the, in the 80s and, you know, it's, there's quite a lot of political undertones to it. Al, Alan Moore was very um, politically sensitive, I guess you would say. So he did stuff like Watchmen, V for Vendetta. I don't know if you've seen that as well. Yeah, um, actually, yeah. Yeah, so all, all that kind of stuff. So, no, a really, really good film. And, uh, yeah, I'm... I'm Really psyched for the series. 
No, good stuff, good stuff. And then also we ha- we mentioned it a few weeks ago, but there's been a, some more Swamp Thing images and sort of promos released, aren't they, Dave? I mean, I, I remember watching it. It was back in the 80s, wasn't it? But I didn't watch all of it, and it wasn't my cup of tea. So I'd be interested to see where that goes and how I feel about it when we actually get around to reviewing it. Yeah, I think the effects will be a little bit better. <laughs> oh my god, yeah, it's that worth the homage, I think, Dave. If uh, was a bit. <laughs> I think I, should, I tell you what, though, I think that old one. I, I don't think I don't think we have that one on the list to go through. No, we're gonna have to no. go through that one at some point. But yeah, this could be DC's year. You yeah. know, with what we were saying with some of the stuff we've done, like Shazam, Doom Patrol. They've just been hitting it out of the park. And this looks pretty great as well. In fact, both of them, Watchmen and Swamp Thing, they look pretty good. So, uh, yeah, excited about this one as well. And, uh, you know, it's, let's see. It, it always confused me because you've got, you've got Swamp Thing on the DC side. And yeah. you, then you've got almost the identical character called Man Thing on the Marvel side. You know, <laughs> it's, I think it's a bit of bit of the old Stan Lee jobby uh, going on there as well. You know what oh, we yeah. were talking about with Doom yeah. Patrol and the yeah. X Men. Coffee <laughs> in the same place. I think overheard a conversation with his, uh, his yeah, back, yeah, detective glasses on and false moustache. I think something like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this man thing is completely different from Swamp Thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, and then also, well, Dave, one thing. I, sorry, go on. No, no, it's all right. Go on. Yeah, so also this week, Dave, we had the full schedule from Disney regarding the upcoming films over the next few years. So we've gone from, again, Avatar's delayed another year back to 2021 Avatar 2. And then the schedule for that is like every year, there's one out till 2025, 26. Then we've got New Mutants has been delayed as well, which is a bit of a shame. Yeah, it is a shame, and I'm sure I've said to you before, I I love that original run from Chris Claremont starting off back in 1982. It's not that unexpected, though. So Maisie Williams, you know, Arya from Game of Thrones had come out, and uh, I think it was earlier this year, and basically said, well, no one's been in contact with me about any reshoots. So it's an open secret, like, there needs to be all these reshoots for it. Ah, right. Um, and then she'd spill the beans. It's like, well, no one's even been in touch with with her to to say, oh, we need to schedule you in for this time next year or whatever. So there's a lot of negativity about, well, will this ever actually see the light of day? You know, so it's obviously a Fox property. It's been bought into Disney now. What are Disney actually going to do with it? It hadn't tested great, so hence the reshoots that they wanted to go for more of a horror angle, which all right, see how it goes. There's a whole, uh, what they call the demon bear storyline, and I I think they're going down that route. But like I say, I've seen, you know, again, it's difficult, isn't it? There's so much fake news out and made-up statistics. But I've seen something like, you know, 75% of it needs to be reshot. And, of course, you've got got the problem now that this was originally shot ages ago. So, So you're going to be looking at, like, three years you know, these young yeah. actors have got three years older from, you know, the original shoot to just gluing in some of these other scenes as well. So th- there's a lot of problems with this this whole movie, to be honest. And, and you know, I, I kind of like the, the look of the trailer. Again, it took more of a horror angle, yeah. which isn't that normal for, like, something in the X-Men universe. But, okay, it's something different. Give it a go. And we'll, when I've watched it, I'll tell you if I liked it or not. 
Yeah, it's strange, isn't it? How the decisions they make on these things, and as well, and, and when you're looking at the schedule, Dave, I mean, I think next year they're going to go a bit easy on the film. I think there might be one Marvel film next year, but I think 2021, I think there's three out, so I think we're going to start seeing the momentum for this next lot of either the Avengers, or we're going to have another Spider-Man film, or you know, it's all speculation at the moment, isn't it? Because we've not had any anything really announced as such. Other than we know the Black Widow one's going to be due at some point but i'm interesting to see where they go and, and how they do it and if they are just going to completely saturate the market because star wars they are doing it at the moment but they're obviously they're hitting out the park but star wars again that's just going to be a yearly thing so i don't know dave i i must admit i'm going to see episode nine and i'm already i've got to be completely honest with someone who loves star wars after watching endgame and that i'm going to really struggle because i think i'm getting sort of the fatigue with this already so I don't know how I'm going to feel with the next Star Wars. I've heard a few people say that with Star Wars, to be honest. Yeah. I mean, it used to be, you know, a big event, but because you've got these filler movies as well. I mean, I really like Rogue One. I think it's the one they've done, Dave, to be honest, since they've brought it back. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, oh, well, I liked Episode 7. I, and I enjoyed, to a slightly lesser extent, Episode 8. Um, didn't like Solo. Yeah, but it's the fact that well, you know, it's it comes every year. So I, I know Christmas is special and everything, and that only comes once a year. But you know, Star Wars should be even more rare than that, shouldn't it? So I don't know. You know, I, I'm a big Star Wars fan, but it does seem like you know, Episode Nine is it going to be? Is it going to rekindle some of the love that the Star Wars fan base seems to have lost at the minute? Or you know, is it is it going to be an ideal jumping off point? Yeah, I, th I think, if I'm being completely honest, I agree with you, Dave. The Force Awakens was a good film. I've got that on Collector's Edition. I actually like that one. I really do. And I love the trailers and the build-up because it was an anticipation of it. And also having the older ones come back. And, and obviously now we know that pretty much there's been a full stop put under all them, for one thing. Obviously, we lost Carrie Fisher and uh, Han Solo's gone. And then Mark Hamill was obviously in Episode 8. Spoilers again, guys. But he was actually killed off Luke Skywalker. But he is supposed to be in Episode 9. So I, I think, personally, if I've been completely honest, they got away with it in Episode 7, but I'm not completely convinced by the casting they've done for this new lot. I, can't, I don't know whether in 10 years' time I'll look back and go, oh, these are absolute iconic actors. You know, Daisy Ridley... You know, great. She's a great actress, but and I don't know. I've just never been completely convinced by her. I'm not really convinced by John Boyega, if I'm being honest. He's really funny and some great things. And and also Paul Dameron as well, the guy uh, Oscar Isaac. Mm. I just don't think all three of them have completely hooked me in. I, I, I don't know why. I don't know whether because obviously the career that Harrison Ford had and Mark Hamill to an extent and things like that, and they were they were always part of our growing up and pop culture want this star wars was everywhere growing up nothing yeah came near it it was obviously they tried it with avatar and it went i know financially they made a lot of money but it never was the iconic film that they hoped and, and i don't think anything's touched them since for me personally but i do think and i did like bits of episode eight i must admit that the fight with kylo ren and oh, what's she called uh, kylo ren and um Snoke? no yeah snow but daisy Ridley's character what she's called that's terrible um What's she called, Dave? The Jedi, Daisy. Uh, I'm just thinking Daisy. Really. I've lost. I've lost it now. I can't believe that. That's terrible knowledge, Zach. Considering I've seen him so many times. Um, but yeah, that fight. Anyway, great. But then I just thought the end bit was pretty 
bobbins, to be honest. But, but yeah, I'll see. I don't, I don't think going anywhere, Dave, because Disney are banking on this massive Star Wars world they've, been, they've built. I just, right. Right. Ray, Ray, gosh, Dave, that is terrible. I can't believe that I apologize. If Daisy Ridley's actually listening, I do apologize, Daisy, you know, so <laughs> that'll be a yeah. If Daisy Ridley's listening, you know where I am. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry. I'll use the force on him, Daisy. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, no, it, it, it's one of them things where I, I just hope I've got a, a very funny feeling that the building stuff in that Disney world now, which is open in August, I believe, I think some of it's going to be future-proof, as in they're going to actually include stuff that they've built into this big world in Disney over there in America, and it's all going to be sort of shoehorned in to tie into people then having to go on holiday at the, the theme park. And that. I know it sounds daft that day, but it's, it, I don't think necessarily it's they've gone completely retro on it. So from what Yeah, what, I mean... It's, it's a logical business decision, isn't yeah. it? At the end of the day, they bought this this franchise. They've already made their money back and more, but they're not just going to go, right, episode nine, brilliant, that's it, we're done. We just bought it to just see what the end of the story looked like. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and, and tried to save it from George Lucas after the awful prequels. But, you know, they're, they're going to keep churning it out. And I guess that's that deflates my enthusiasm for a bit. And I can tell you, my, my kids aren't interested in Star Wars. No. <laughs> they can't believe, you know, my love for it. Yeah. And I guess it's just how much stuff was out at that time. But, yeah, it, it does deflate my enthusiasm because, I, you know, when I think of Episode Nine, I know this is supposed to be the last chapter. But it's just going to get bigger. You know, maybe maybe like Endgame, we'll have a full stop on the end of that story and we'll feel satisfied that we've seen an end-to-end story. But yeah. I just, I don't know. The, the, that last little bit of Force Awakens where the little kid picks up the, uh, you know, he uses the Force to pick up the broom. Yeah, yeah. My heart sank a bit at that because yeah. I just thought, all right, okay, so... We're back here, are we? <laughs> yeah, same same thing again. And yeah, I agree. I do agree. Now, there's one of the subjects actually never wanted to bring up, if you don't mind. I, I watched, and I, I know, and I apologise to everyone who's listening over the last three or four months. Me and Dave have probably drove you mad with the Endgame chat, but I did watch an Endgame YouTube uh, 30 things you may have missed. Now, usually, Dave, you think, oh, here we go. It's going to be nonsense, this. You know, like someone's just absolutely making stuff up. But there's been some really, really good theory stuff that I got out of it. Not not a lot. Some of it we already knew, some of it we didn't. And I just I wanted to bring it up, if that's all right, Dave. Now, Are you looking for my permission? Just bring it up, man. <laughs> <laughs> no, Dave, what I'm trying to think of is I've just brought this up and I'm, I actually forgot which ones I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> good theory chris that good theory <laughs> one of the ones I've, I've picked up on was um at the end i didn't actually hear this and it, obviously i'm going to go and watch it for a third time but apparently when the credits are rolling even though there's no end credits as such the, in the background apparently you can hear someone hitting someone with a hammer and apparently it was the noise that tony made when he only was building his iron man suit when he was yeah, kept yeah. Hostage. so there's some saying he's not necessarily uh dead which is so we'll see about that. I know, I know. The Russo brothers. Honestly, I thought that was so iconic. Um, like the the first time, because the second time I didn't bother, you know, sitting through it all. But it, yeah. it was very, very distinctive, and and to me, it was more like the homage. It was an homage to that's where it all started. 
you know, back yeah. in 2008. And I guess, you know, we had the benefit of watching it fairly recently, didn't we? So, yeah. no, I absolutely recognize that. I don't think that means he's not dead. It's Robert Downey Jr. at the end of the day. Now, all right, if if they needed to bring him back, they could use some pin particles, go back and grab yeah. a, an alternate timeline, Tony, and bring him back. So they, they could always, but no, I, th- I think they have to move past Downey yeah. Jr. And, and it was such a perfect way for him to finish his story from going from that weapons manufacturer, very much in it for himself, to where he finished it up, finished up, where he sacrificed everything, paid the ultimate price, but saved everyone. I, I just thought that's perfect. Don't mess with it. No, I agree. I, I, I'm not uh, disagreeing. I do agree. And also, Dave, now, you know at the end, Dave, again, guys, spoilers, we have spoiled it. But when they're all sort of by his, uh, where they put his heart into the water, don't they, to so that little sort of lake where he lives. Yeah, proof that Tony has a heart. Yeah, proof that Tony has a heart. And it pans to everybody. Did you see that random lad who was at the back? And I, I kept thinking. Little lad he? from Iron Man 3. Okay, don't need to say a word, Dave. <laughs> I didn't have a clue who it was. I didn't have a clue who it was. I remember looking, thinking I've missed something in one of the films here. Who is that lad? But yeah, it is. It's now, the to be I fair, like. as soon as it popped up, I'm like, who the hell is that? So I Googled it straight away. I didn't oh, recognise right. him. Uh, I didn't recognise him, but I knew that. Yeah. I, I thought, oh, hang about. Are they planting someone in? Is he Hydra? <laughs> you know, who yeah. is this? But they literally brought back everyone you know the whole ensemble you know again it just it just gives you more respect doesn't it they bring people like that back people from you know like jarvis from agent carter as well just really impressive there is i mean i'll have to put a link somewhere to that maybe on twitter but it was a good video i can't remember that many of them now but there was some that were obvious we already knew about and there was loads where you were like all right and all it was was like where the russo brothers have put little nods in all the time like apparently i didn't pick up on it but there's a line that four says to i think he says it's a banner and he says oh is it a cable problem and and he goes no it's a fanos problem obviously josh brolin plays both characters cable in deadpool 2 and obviously Thanos. So I didn't even pick up on that, Dave. I don't know if you'd heard that in there, but it's a very yeah, quick Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what? I, I, hadn't, I hadn't made the connection. I know where you mean. It's where they first encountered Melted Ice Cream Thor. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, I hadn't noticed that because you get it the other way with Deadpool, don't you? Yes. Yeah. So in Deadpool 2, Ryan Reynolds basically says, zip it, Thanos. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> No, that isn't that isn't obvious, is it? But yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. It's a bit more subtle than that in the Avengers, I guess. No, exactly, exactly. Just before we go into review, guys, please, if you can, get on your podcast app or podcast hosting site and give us a five star review. It just helps us grow the show. Uh, our hosting site is podbean.com. That's what we'd like all our reviews to go on, or iTunes as well. It just helps the sort of algorithms of the show and helps us grow and get out to more people and obviously improve on the content. And also, if you do want to follow us, it's at Comics Emotion P on Twitter and Comics Emotion Podcast at gmail.com if you want to email the show. Now, Dave. What are we going to review this week, please, my friend? And have you got some comic background? Well, we saw Professor Hulk back in Endgame a few weeks ago, and I thought it would be interesting to, as part of our retro series, to go back to the 1977 Hulk TV pilot. And I was delighted to find out that you hadn't watched it. (laughs) No, I was absolutely... uh, 
Oh, the Noonday watching it, I've got to say. I'm sure you were. <laughs> now, I do have to say that I watched this so many times. I must have had it recorded on the old Betamax. And I remember discussing with my mates who were also well into it as well and, you know, repeating a lot of the lines that were out of this. And one of the things that I think, watching it back now, I don't want to jump ahead of myself too much, but I think, God, we were easily pleased as kids. <laughs> kids today have no idea how entertained they are (laughs) but but anyway let's start with with the hulk so as we discussed a few weeks ago hulk was created by stanley and jack kirby back in hulk number one may 1962 in that nuclear scientist robert bruce banner was part of a testing team on an experimental gamma bomb and had to save a young rick jones after he'd driven into the test site he ended up pushing rick into a ditch but took the full force of the bomb and absorbed a huge amount of gamma radiation later that night he turned into hulk so named from one of the soldiers who saw him on the base Over the following three years, and due to the overuse of gamma radiation, the Green Savage Hulk became more brutish and childlike. And actually, the last story in which Hulk had a speaking part, if you like, and he was speaking in complete sentences, was Tales to Astonish 64 in February 1965, so three years after he first debuted there. But I want to talk a little bit about comic book names. Now, there are a lot of character names in comics, particularly Marvel, where the first and last names start with the same letter. And this was called out on the Big Bang Theory theory a few years ago. So essentially, you have Bruce Banner, though full name Robert Bruce Banner, Peter Parker, Reed Richards, Sue Storm, Stephen, Stephen Strange, Matt Murdock, Otto Octavius, and there's many more as well. Now, Stanley had said that this was down to his poor memory, and he figured out if he could give somebody a name where the last name and first name started with the same letter, then if he could remember one of those names, it'd give him a clue about what the other one was. Now, Stan's probably being a bit harsh on himself there because he was writing a lot of books back in those early Marvel days in the 60s. Now, back to Robert. For a few issues, Stan started writing uh, the dialogue as Bob Banner. And so everyone was referring him to Bob Banner. So going off his own rules there, he remembered Banner. Oh, yeah, Bob. (laughs) But obviously that wasn't his name. It was Bruce. (laughs) So after he'd been called out on it, in his own words, he said he wasn't going to take the coward's way out and just kind of ignore it. So he renamed him to Robert Bruce Banner. And he said that he said that was so he couldn't be wrong no matter what we called him. So if he called him Bob, he was right. If he called him Bruce, he was right. He just chooses normally to go by his middle name. What? <laughs> I think that's a brilliant weaselly way to get yourself out of there. You know, not to just dismiss it. Oh, it was a mistake. It's like, no, we're gonna rename him and I'll call him what I want. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I thought that was brilliant. So, Chris, how about the movie background? Yes. So, in early 1977, Frank Price, the head of Universal Television, which was known at the time as NBC New Universal, offered producer writer Kenny Johnson a deal to develop a TV show based on any of the several characters that they had licensed from Marvel Comics Library. Now, Johnson turned down the offer at first, but then while reading Victor Hugo's novel, Les Miserables, Les Miserables, Les, Les Miserables, Dave, is that right, isn't it? 
No. Isn't it Les Miserables? That could be it as well. That one as well. Les, Les, as in L-A-Y it's pronounced. Yeah. Miserables. So it's not Miserables. Miserables. Les Miserables. (laughs) No. (laughs) So it's like Miserables. Miser. Yeah. Rab. Okay. Les Miserables. (laughs) These are the outtakes. Can't start, start that big again. Johnson turned down the offer at first, but then while reading Victor Hugo and Les Miserables. <laughs> I might have to stick all this on the end. Keep it, keep it. He became inspired and began to develop the Hulk into a comic TV show. Now, I've got to say, Dave, there's something I want to mention when we're doing the review, actually. I've mentioned it to you in chat. I've got to hold my hands up on something completely, which may shock you. So I don't know if I've told you this. So let me get into that. In a minute, but a lot of the, the researching of this, I found it really, really interesting. Now, Johnson made loads of changes from the comic book, right? So to make it a live-action TV show, he wanted to take the file that made it more believable and acceptable to a wide audience. And in, and to be honest, the reason he did that was he disliked the comics, and he felt like the best way to get it to a show was to change the source material as possible, which is really daft. So. In the origin story of the character, the driver being exposed to gamma rays during a botched atomic testing, Banner is gamma irradiated in a more low-key laboratory mishap during a test on himself, which we'll get into, obviously. Um, obviously, they changed, uh, well, it's David Banner in this, and it, D- David Banner's occupation from a physicist to a medical researcher, physician, although the comic book Hulk's degree of speaking ability had varied over the years. This TV one, they didn't want him to speak at all, and he just said, I want him to growl and roar, which I've got to say, Dave, it's something you've told me loads of times, and obviously everyone who's watched Endgame, it's like, why is the Hulk talking? Because we've only ever seen on the screen. I've grew up with that. I didn't even know the Hulk would talk. And to be fair, and I'm going to quote Stan Lee, was questioned over this because he, uh, he did, Johnson did go to Stan Lee on a lot of things because he was an executive producer on this. And when I quote the great Stan Lee, he says, when we started the television show, Ken said to me, you know what, Stan, I don't think the Hulk should talk. And Stan said, the minute I said it, the minute he said it, I knew he was right. I had the Hulk talking like this, Hulk crush, Hulk get him. And he just, I could I could get away with it in the comic, but he just simply couldn't get that onto the screen. It wouldn't have come across right, which I do agree with, to be honest. It would have been quite silly. And obviously there's plenty of silliness about this. Movie. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, so Johnson also changed the name from Dr. Bruce Banner to Dr. David Banner. You'll love this, Dave. They, they, they changed the name, according to Johnson, because he didn't want the series to be dis- perceived as a comic book series. So he wanted to change it because he felt it was a staple of the comic books, Bruce Banner. This is ridiculous. I've got, I'm going to say what the quote is, and it's, I'm only going off what the quote is, guys, before I say it. So according to Stanley and Lou Ferrigno, it was also changed because CBS thought the name Bruce sounded, quote-unquote, guys, this is not my word, too gayish. A rationale that Ferrigno thought was the most absurd, ridiculous thing he'd ever heard, which I've got to agree with. I think that's absolutely atrocious. In an interview with Kenny Johnson again on the the season two DVDs, which were released in the mid-2000s, he also wanted to make the Hulk red, not green. But for once, Stan Lee actually stepped in and said, no, he's got to be green. That's how he envisaged him. Obviously, we had the Grey Hulk, didn't we, which you mentioned in your comic background uh, last week. Yeah. Can we just go back to that changing name in a second then? So yeah. I'd, I'd heard both theories. And this is in the 70s, isn't it? So yeah. honestly, I don't think I, – I can imagine 
they're both true. Yes. It's going to be different people saying different things. Yeah. Now, it seems strange that they'd have that perception around Bruce because 10, 11 years earlier, you've got Batman 66 on there with Bruce Wayne. Yeah. Yeah. So it doesn't fully stack up to me and i can believe okay could you say is it because it's comic booky well maybe but again this is 77 marvel hadn't been around for that long you know they'd only been around since the early 60s so i i I don't know you don't know what to believe but you know i i can believe someone would have said both of those things yeah yeah no no you could be right dave to be honest uh, now, also, for the role of Dr. David Banner, Kenneth Johnson only wanted Bill Bixby. He was his first choice. He signed on. Uh, Jack, Jack Colvin was cast as Jack McGee. He's a cynical tab- tabloid newspaper reporter. Uh, now, also, I'd heard this before. For the for the part of the Hulk, I know Arnold Schwarzenegger had auditioned with Lou Ferrigno. Now, as you know, we mentioned in the last week's episode, Pumping Iron is one of my favourite films ever. It's about Arnie and winning the Mr. Olympia in 1975. And at that time, Arnie retired. He'd been in Hercules in New York in 1969, but he wanted to be an actor. He was he was actually doing acting lessons around them. Some could question, did he actually turn up? But he did act and do acting lessons. Um, but Lou Ferrigno did the same. Now, Lou Ferrigno in 1975, Mr. Olympia, should have carried on. He came second to Arnie, and everyone said he should have carried on. He would have won it because he's six foot five. He's huge. Arnie is about 5'11", maybe six foot at best. He's probably shrunk over the years now, but he was never as big. So they didn't give Arnie the position of the Hulk because of his height, because he said it was just inadequate. Now, originally, which I didn't even know this until I was researching it, the person who got the role of the Hulk was Richard Keel, who played Jaws in James Bond. If I remember correctly, it was Moonraker. He was James Bond and Octopus. Yeah, yeah. And I always remember him because he's huge. And he was also one of my favourite films, Mean Machine with Burt Reynolds about American footballers. But he was a bodybuilder in like the 60s, but he was so big to carry that. You can't carry muscle like that. And apparently when they were filming, Kenneth Johnson's son actually said he's too tall. He was, his body was totally underdeveloped to resemble the Hulk. Now, I don't know if you picked up on this. Now, there's a lot of continuity problems in this, this pilot. I understand it's a pilot, but... There was a couple of bits when he originally first changes to the Hulk when he's by the lake, and I kept thinking, that's not Lou Ferrigno. Even with the ridiculous hair and <laughs> prosthetic eye, like, uh, forehead. Eyebrows. Yeah. yeah, and it wasn't. It's actually, they, they actually missed it, and they kept two bits of Richard Keel in there. One of them when he's reaching up to the tree, and the other one is when he's... I think he's throwing something, but you can you can actually see it's not him. And then he's looking at the camera, actually, three bits. And I was, I, I honestly kept thinking, there's no way that's Lou Ferrigno, you know. But anyway, it wasn't. It was Richard Keel. And unfortunately, they sacked him off. The, the reason they, they initially cast him over, um, obviously, Arna, because of his height and Lou Ferrigno, was because Lou Ferrigno had never acted. And judging by this, Dave, he didn't really need to. Still hasn't. But to be fair, this was actually a pilot that was actually split. It was actually two episodes supposed to be, but they made it into a feature film originally. Uh, But it wasn't. It was supposed to be two one-hour specials. Anyway, due to the makeup, and the makeup on the Hulk, and we'll get into this, was really monstrous. They actually toned it down for for like when it actually got commissioned into a series, to be fair. Now, Lou Ferrigno and Richard Keel, when he originally played, Richard Keel had real problems with the 
contact lenses they played him. Richie Keel's actually blind in one eye. So he had a lot of problems with them. And Lou Ferrigno was the same. And what he used to say is he could only keep the contact lenses in for 15 minutes because it was really painful, which is also really bad, to be honest, for his eyesight. And mm. now, now the wig, Dave, the Hulk's wig is made out of dyed yak hair. <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised it's not a full-on yak. Yeah, it's just... <laughs> I don't know. It's a red. It's like, it's like roadkill on his head, isn't it? They just like, <laughs> <laughs> now, one of the things I don't usually mention the music or anything, but Joe Harnell was the, one of Kenneth Johnson's favorite composers. He composed for him when he when he actually made the Bionic Woman, and obviously the song, the main theme, the Lonely Man. It's been so synonymous. They use it in they've used it in the Avengers. I've actually started watching the Hulk, Ed Norton film. Sorry, Dave from 2008, which I actually really enjoy. And he's in there as well a couple of bits when he's walking on the highway and that in the film. It's on Netflix at the moment, if mm. anyone's not seen it, which, which to be fair, was supposed to be part of the original MCU before they recasting for Mark Ruffalo in Avengers. So, uh, But, yeah, it's on there. So it's what's that? But that, obviously, the whole Lonely Man song is about, it's a sad, slow uh, piano tune. He's always heard at the closing credits as, obviously, Banner walking off, hitchhiking to another town, isn't he, because he's uh, supposedly dead, and he's the people sort of after yeah. him. So. Now... I wanted to bring up as well, Dave, that the, the show commissioned for three years and they, they did 80 episodes and it ran from 1978 to 82. Now, it was then cancelled and then in 1988, they tried to reboot the whole series again. So they had three films come out, straight to TV uh, films they were. There's The Incredible Returns with four, which if you do see the fight scenes, is amazing because all the Hulk seems to do is want to do the uh, muscle pose where he just keeps going, Rah! like <laughs> muscles. And that's all that Lou Ferrigno's range of acting, to be honest. And what it was about, Dave, was this was in 88. This was supposed to lead on to a bad handing over thing so they could commission a four series and release a four TV series, but it got rated really badly and no nobody picks up on it. They did the same thing the year after. The Trial of the Incredible Hulk in 1989, where, I don't know if you've heard of this guy, Dave, but a lawyer was actually uh, defending David Banner, Matt Murdock. Daredevil, and again, they tried to actually commission a Daredevil series, hoping off the back of this, but the Trial of the Incredible Hulk got absolutely panned. I've got to say, Dave, I'm really interested to see these two films, if I'm being completely honest. Oh, we will will. watch them. (laughs) And then the final one, which actually... Uh, it was called The Death of the Incredible Hulk, which actually killed the Hulk, was where the Hulk jumps out of a plane as the Hulk, and just just he's just about to hit the ground, and he reverts to his human self, as in Bill Bixby, uh, David Banner. Now, despite that, they were also they're going to make Revenge of the Incredible Hulk. I mean, talk about flogging a dead horse, Dave. You, you know, this was in 1990, but sadly... They didn't take it on, and Bill Bixby had started suffering with cancer at this point, Dave, and then he actually passed away in November 1993, so his health just did not, uh, you know, was not kind to him, unfortunately, in more ways than one, and and they, they didn't want to recast anybody. Stan Lee does appear in the trial of the Incredible Hulk as one of the jurors as well, which I've seen that picture a few times. Now, to be fair, Rotten Tomatoes, the two-hour pilots at 57%. That's only off seven reviews, Dave, so I don't really reviewed him. It was probably uh, probably Kenny Johnson. Stan. 
Stan, Stan Lee Lieber. Yeah, Stan. Lee, his real name. Is it Lieber and his real name? Where is Stan, it? Stan Lee Lieber it is, but it'll be, Lee, there'll yeah. be one which is his full name, then there'll be Stan Lee. Yeah. <laughs> S. Lee, Lee S. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, Lee Stan. Yeah. That, that, that. So he got, uh, with an average user rating of 5.4 out of 10, and then the first season, to be fair, Dave, on Rotten Tomatoes has a, a rating of 75% based on eight reviews. Now, I've got to say, we both, and this is a tip for anyone out there, we, we always, you know, we always watch these things. But on Amazon at the moment, you can buy it episode by episode for 10p on Amazon Prime. So I, I thought for 10p, I put you onto it as well, Dave. I thought it's a no-brainer. So it's on there. The full series, I think, is 4 I'm not sure I'm going to stretch to the full series because I can't understand how that's 4 unless that's every single 80 episodes or it's the first series. But, yeah, it's 10p an episode if you want to intrigued by just the pilot. Now, on the retro, on they did a poll a few years ago on the retrospective of the actual TV show, and the fans' favourite shows, and this is a standout for anybody who does fancy going back to watch this, who maybe get you know the nostalgic eyes and have it listened to me and Dave review this. Uh, these are the standout ones, apparently. There's one just called The Incredible Hulk, which I've got to feeling is actually the first episode that we, we're just about to talk about. Uh, one called Married, We've got Mystery Man, Homecoming, The Snare, Prometheus, The Thirst, and the last one is Bring Me the Head of the Hulk. Now, I've got to say, Dave, the names are terrible, but they're the ones that apparently are out there as special fan favourites. So if you are interested, guys, get on there. And that, my friend, is all I've got for this thing. No, there's plenty in there. And you say you're going through the Ed Norton Hulk. Have you watched the whole thing yet? Yeah, I've seen it before. I've got it on DVD, uh, Blu-ray and that. But yeah, I'm half. I'm about 40 minutes in. We've had the Stan Lee cameo when he drinks the beer at the start when he's in the favelas and collapses. And they've just chased. He's just met up with Betty. And he's just yeah, been yeah. the Blue and Mr. Green thing when he's he's on the campus now at the moment. Oh, yeah, for the talking to the leader. So, um, yeah. yeah, it's just what you're saying about the death of the Incredible Hulk and, and falling out the plane. Uh, yeah, falling out of the helicopter and whatever. You, you get that almost do that. recreated, don't you? Yeah, yeah, we do when he jumps out because he's not changed, has he? And he, uh, he's yeah, when, yeah. It's when abominations there, isn't it? Which is, yeah, uh, yeah. Which is Tim Dingy, Tim Roth. Tim Roth, yeah. And he is quite a tragic character. There's a good documentary just on YouTube, actually. Could put that in the show notes, actually, on, on the Incredible Hulk. And yeah, yeah he had, a, he had a, a difficult time. But, you know, going back to the comic book names, you've, you've obviously got the, the leader, actor, and champion, really, for that series, Bill Bigsby. You know, yeah. another one with the same letter for yeah. both names. But Yeah, yeah. And, and he directed them films as well, by the way, Dave. Yeah, yeah. No, he's, like I say, he was, he was the champion for it for, for years. But I was amazed that you've not seen this. I mean, have you seen any of them? Right. It's going to be cards on the table in time now, Dave. Now, obviously, to the listeners, to you, you know me a lot better than obviously the listeners do. The listeners, I hope, understand where I come from. I get some great comments about what we like, what we dislike. I've got to come out, Dave, and tell everybody about the reason that you know I love the Hulk. You know that uh, I love that maniacal, absolute nut job of him. I was gutted there was no Hulk at the end fighting Thanos. It really, it, it was the only blight on Endgame, if there is a blight on the film, from a purely fanboy point of view. But I'm also at peace with why they didn't do it. So, it was, you know what I mean? But 
we're going back now, Dave. I'm 40 years old, so we're going back to 1980, 1981. The Hulk series, I'm telling the story now. We, we could almost have the sad... Gather round, kids. Yeah, we could almost this have... This is the- before the internet and... <laughs> <laughs> well, we could almost have the sad Simon Mayo music, Dave. You know, like the afternoon one where it's the sad... Stuff. What are you on about? We're playing Lonely Man. <laughs> that's the, oh, that's yeah, the only sorry. one it can be. Oh, yeah. So, so anyway, yeah, play Lonely Man, actually. Apologies, everyone. Um, so Chris is here. He's three years old. About 1980, 81, I was three. Each one I was three. My mum and dad said I was really into the Hulk. I've always been into superhero cartoons, the films that were atrocious. I watched them all. These pictures of me as a kid in my Hulk, Spider-Man pyjamas, stuff like that. And there's an episode where there's a child burning in a building. And the Hulk has to go in and save him. And I really love the Hulk, apparently. And the Hulk has to come in and he picks the child up, who's the same age as me, and he has to throw him out the building and he throws him out into some sort of straw bale thing or something along them lines. I'd have to find the episode. But for some reason, Dave, three-year-old Chris, who at the moment is six-foot-two gym guy, three-year-old Chris, absolutely petrified, and through my whole childhood day, even up to the age of 13 years... No, not 13, I can't be that bad. Not to about 12 years old. I'd say 12. Oh, yeah, it's much, 12's much better 12, than 13. I was, Dave, I'll be honest with you, I was absolutely petrified of the Hulk. I mean, like, severely petrified of the Hulk. <laughs> Honestly, you laugh. They still go on about it now. My mum and dad, my brothers just absolutely ripped me because apparently when he went to change, because of what he did to this kid, I don't know what it was. It must be one of them psychological things that affects you as a kid. Dave, I couldn't go near the Hulk. If, if he was about to change, I'd run apparently behind the sofa or I'd run upstairs. I wouldn't watch. <laughs> and I remember there was a run of the Hulk. They brought it back on Saturday night TV, on, B- on ITV, around about, must be so, about, about, about 1990, 91. And I was just starting secondary, and I wouldn't watch it. I'd go upstairs and go to my bedroom and just, like, shut the door. I wouldn't watch telly or anything. And my brother had come up, and he was, like, younger than me, the little so-and-so, I won't swear. And he used to wind me up, didn't he? And I, and I don't know what it was. He's coming for you. Yeah, yeah, you did. He was like, the whole, and then he, what he'd do is he'd go in the other room and turn it up full blast, and the Hulk was turning green. <laughs> and honestly, <laughs> honestly, yeah, it's an absolute joke when I think about it now, but it's just one of them things my mum said, she said, from the minute he threw that kid, you, you hated him. He said you were petrified of him thinking. I must have been having nightmares that night thinking he was going to come and pick me up and throw me out. <laughs> <laughs> so well, that's the reason I've never seen a lot of these episodes, even now. Not because, flipping it, Dave, at 40 years old, there'd be something wrong if I'm so petrified <laughs> of him. But I've just never, I've never sat down because there's so many episodes. Like, you, you, you tell me about the Dukes of Hazzard, the A-Team, all that stuff, the Knight Rider. I've, I've seen them all. I could, I could pretty much eight team. I've got them all on DVD. They were my sort of things. But for some reason, the Incredible Hulk just, I just never watched it. And, and honestly, I could watch that now. And I know who, obviously, Bill Bixby is in that. And I know Lou Ferrigno. I love Lou Ferrigno as, as a bodybuilder in that. Cause it's an interest of mine going back since I was a kid. But yeah, Dave, I mean, what are your thoughts on this? I mean, if you want to cancel the podcast now, wow. Yeah. Well, no, no. Uh, yeah, it's, it's hopefully it was therapeutic for you, and you've <laughs> stopped wetting the bed now. <laughs> but no, it's it's funny you mentioned that because I tried putting it on like that first pilot for my little lad, probably five or six years ago or something, and he was petrified as well. Yeah. And then I thought, what's what's going on? That's, and then I thought, well, actually, okay. So I suppose he, you know. I just I've seen it that many times. That kind of opening 
title credits, you know, where, where he does the changing, where he's changed his car and whatever. And he's, you know, I thought, oh, right. Okay. I, I can, I can sort of see why that's a bit scary. And there are certain bits in this, actually, this pilot. And I thought, how do they get his eyes to be so bloodshot? Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. yeah, they were just painful. <laughs> so. No, no. Was, hopefully that was therapeutic. I have to say, I was, I'm probably on the other side of the fence completely from you then. I don't remember, and it, it's not a macho thing or anything, but I, I just remember being completely into it as much as the Fall Guy, Dukes of Hazard, yeah. all of that stuff. I just loved them, couldn't get enough of them. And like I say, I seem to remember having this on Betamax or something and uh, watching it again and again. So, yeah, no, unintended thing there but we're we're definitely going to watch it from uh with different eyes so if you're watching this for the first time <laughs> in 2019 and i've got all those nostalgic lenses with mine we're, we're going to be on on different ends of the plane i think yeah yeah no it's it's good i just i thought i can't not review this and not call myself out dave it's not something i'm uh i'm bothered about it's just something that's the way i look back now it's just daft but it's an interesting way for me to approach it. We have something that's like, say, 35, 36 years since it, no, it's longer than that. It was actually aired the year I was born, 1978, to be honest, 77, 78. So I've, I'm going into this completely blind. So, uh, no, it's been good. It's good. But uh, shall we go into a review? Let's go for it. Dr. David Banner and wife Laura enjoy an idyllic happy marriage, which is cut tragically short in a car crash where Laura died trapped in a burning car. Physician David, along with colleague Dr. Elena Marks, run a series of interviews with people who have found superhuman strength during a crisis. And David is frustrated at why he couldn't find that strength to save Laura. Running a series of DNA tests, he finds that the difference between him and the interviewees is the presence of gamma radiation. At night in the lab, David exposes himself to a dose of gamma radiation, though it doesn't initially seem to have an effect. On the way back home, he gets a flat tire in the middle of a storm. In an iconic scene reminiscent of me attempting DIY late at night while being overly hungry, David loses his temper and transforms into the Incredible Hulk. Now, Chris, watching this for the first time in 2019, what did you make to this 1977 masterpiece? Well, Dave, I wouldn't <laughs> call it a master. I wouldn't call it a piece. Um, I've got to say, the, the opening montage of the fact that he was truly in love with his wife, Laura, was probably the most sickening <laughs> thing I've ever seen, the most forced, pathetic start to something to say they love each other. It doesn't matter what they do. They're together and everything they do and the cycling and the, you know, the, the around the house and he's, he's measuring her feet at, at some point. There's some random thing going on. Like it's just, he loves the ground she walks and she's the same and they're driving along, aren't they? And she, she starts stroking his hair and the next minute the car flips and he. It's just not like you and Sam. Do you no, not, do you not live like that at home? No, no. After 20 no. years, Dave, definitely not. Um, <laughs> but 21 actually, 21 years. No. Uh, but, but genuinely it was like, do people lap this sort of nonsense up? And they understand it's a pilot. I, I get it. And I've I've got to say, Dave, in this this actual movie as such, I think I think Bill Bixby's the only thing that comes out of it with a bit of respect from me because 
he he channels everything about Bruce or David or whatever he's he's called Bob. I don't know what he's you know what I mean, but David Banner. But I just think it was so sickly. And I've got to say, the the scene when he goes into the lab after his wife's you know, or you get the whole back story, don't we? He's having a nightmare and he jumps up out of bed and it's it's a dream again and he looks over and his his double bed's empty. And then we go to this lab day, but I've got to say, talk about the lady doctor, Elena. She's just putting it out there with everyone on campus, isn't she? She don't she's just proper having it. Things were different in the seventies, weren't they? <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> I mean, I must admit, Chris. I mean, again, I'd kind of forgotten this. I haven't watched this oh, probably thirty years or something. Watching it back, I thought did have a little bit of a thing, a little boyhood crush on old Elena Marks there. Um, but, yeah, watching it now, it was like she starts having a bit of dialogue with some, you know, random colleague in the office, and he's sort of, she's going on about a dress or something, and he's, like, looking her up and down. He's like, eh, eh. <laughs> <laughs> It's like, what the hell? <laughs> but then she's even, the thing is, though, the colleague doesn't look interesting. She's like, well, let's run away together and all this. I'm like, what is going on here? I think this is a, a time, a definite time stamp on the Me Too movement, I think, because it, <laughs> she, she rolled reverse, though, Dave. She was like the alpha, wasn't she? She was just going around and sort of dropping sexist comments to the blokes. It was, it was quite unusual but unusual start to say the least and then obviously she runs into david and he, he looks very troubled Donnie. and she's saying about these these tests but i've got to say that i've got to call someone out at the start which is absolutely atrocious they're bringing in different people aren't they regarding like having super strength and they've done mm -hmm. like adrenaline induced feats of strength so we've got this lady who has got this Cosmetic makeup on, it's absolutely atrocious, isn't it? I mean, it, it's really bad, Dave. It is bad. I mean, she brings her son in, and I'm like, there's no way people lap this up. It just looked terrible. It really did. And the whole way, I mean, I kept thinking this thing. Can I watch the, I watched the cartoons, Dave. You know, same, you know, I was scared of the TV show. I watched all mm -hmm. the cartoons as a kid. I loved all the cartoons. And I was thinking, I don't remember Bruce or David, as he's called it. I don't remember David Banner going through these sort of things to become the Hulk. I think this isn't how it was in the actual, uh, you know, it was very reminiscent of how Spider-Man did it with the, obviously Spider-Man had the, the spider bait, but it was the same sort of test environment, wasn't it, and stuff, the mm -hmm. way he became the Hulk. I was thinking, oh, no, but obviously we were researching it. It obviously makes, you know, what, exactly what I said in the movie background. Why? Because I did the movie background afterwards, so I came into it with my palette dry. I didn't have any prior knowledge to watching it and, and, yeah, and yeah. that makes complete sense but for me it was quite confusing at the start why they were doing it i mean it was more he was trying to find a way of could he have saved his wife but it was all in hindsight so i don't i couldn't work out what the logic is behind it it, it was like well she's already died hasn't she what what are you hoping to do david lift a car up now just to say you've lifted her up it was really it was well, really i think i <laughs> If I'm to get into the mind of the writers, then maybe, you know, he's just frustrated. Why couldn't he do it? So it's not as if he can't, you know, get some pin particles and go back in time. But so I work a lot in laboratories. So I know a lot of scientists or worked with a lot of scientists. Um, and and they, they are just naturally inquisitive people. Now, if you're fueled by grief as well, then maybe, you know, and, and you've got someone to actually fund your study, 
then maybe you could, you know, go off on this on this path. But but knowing those personality types, you know, the way of coming up with different theories on what could they look at, you know, it was all overly dramatized. So it's like, what could it be? Why can they do it? Why can't I do it? <laughs> it was all just so overly dramatic. Yeah. Yeah, it was. It was. It was. I, I, th- I think as well, <laughs> when he changes to the Hulk, I've never seen anything like it. It was like a video nasty from the 70s or something. I mean, what what the thought process was to make him wear that really weird prosthetic forehead and that hair. <laughs> and, and all the Hulk, let's be honest, Dave, you know, like I said, I love Lou Ferrigno, but the only thing the Hulk does in this whole film to, to go at people is just muscle pose, which is the standard front double bicep pose, which is bodybuilding. That's <laughs> all he does. I mean, he fights for, as I mentioned, in that 1988 film, and that's all he does in the fight scene. He throws him once and then just stands there going, and I'm like, oh, no, this is terrible. It was... It was <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, I... I- I don't know. I thought, from my perspective, actually, I, I don't remember that opening scene at all. Now, it could be in my Betamax copy, you know, it was just taped off TV or something like that. I'd missed the start. Yeah. But that sickly sweet, you know, it was almost to parody levels, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's like watching Police Squad on Naked Gun or something. It was just, it was just nonsense. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I was trying to remember back. And I remember, you know, that, that again, when the, the lady says, and I just lifted the car. <laughs> I just remembered it so well. Yeah. I couldn't believe it. And I remembered the little, um, experiment with the egg, trying to crush the egg. I remember talking with my mates and saying, can you do that? You know, then trying it with an egg. So for me, this was a lot of nostalgia flooding back. But I have to say, especially with that kid actor trying to crush the egg, what awful acting. Oh, it was terrible, wasn't it? It's was like an experiment. And then, and then even then, when she says to him, don't you, lady, she says, you know, just crack it to real egg. And he can't crack the egg, can he, at first? And he's... They just kept the camera rolling. I think they were hoping he was going to crack it with one whack. And he doesn't. Oh, have, you tr- have you tried it? <laughs> no. Honestly, <laughs> try it. Try yeah, it at home. I've tried it. It's true. Is that true? It is. Yeah, if you try and crush it that way, it won't crush. Right, I'm going to have to try that, Dave. If I get egg all over Do me, it on air. <laughs> No, film it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like doing vlogs in that day, but yeah. I'll, yeah. I'll Seriously, try right. it. I'm going to try Over it. Over the sink. <laughs> right, I'm going to try it. I'm not wearing my best clothes anyway. <laughs> no, I remember trying it as a kid. Now, to be fair, as a kid, I probably didn't have the force. But obviously, if you if you squash it in at the sides, it's just going to crush. But if you if you flip it round like that, it's really hard to break. I'm sure if you apply, I'm sure if the Hulk tried it, you know, he'd, he'd do that. But yeah, I remember being quite amazed by that. Yeah, no, no, it's good. I've, I've got to say though, Dave, this whole section when he turns into the Hulk, give me the best laughs I have ever seen. <laughs> atrocious. So, so we set the scene, he does the gamma ray thing, done and everything, and he's changing the tire. And, He's trying to change that. He's absolutely dripping where it's raining. I mean, we've got 
a thunder and lightning storm that we've never seen ever. I mean, the amount of thunder and lightning, even Doc Brown could have sent him back in time. It was that bad. We'd never seen lightning like it. And it's just going on and on and on, this lightning. And I'm thinking, there's no way. Because I kept thinking, because obviously I've never seen it, is he going to get struck by lightning now as well? You know, the way they they were teeing up the weather conditions. And then eventually he cuts his hand, only because the jack won't... uh, the wheel brace, sorry, won't turn the nuts on the car. And then eventually just turns, doesn't he? And, and I know you've got the whole ripping of the T-shirt thing and he goes massive. But I've got to say, Dave, there's some really bad continuity in this. How big was that shirt? Bruce has got, you know, Bruce, David Banner's got a normal shirt on Annie. So say, what does he say? A 15-inch neck with a, a medium <laughs> shirt on his 70s. Everyone, I mean, he's not in, he's not out of shape, is he, Bill Bixby? So he's not ripped up, but he's not out of shape. Yeah, but he's yeah. not Mr. Universe. No, he's a standard <laughs> bloke. Which, and I remember seeing him. He used to train with Lou Ferrigno to keep fit, you know, for the parts because he didn't. Even though Lou was massive, he didn't want to be completely out of shape. I've seen all that stuff in the past with him, and and he's a normal bloke. So he's got flares on. He's got like a 32 inch waist or something like that. But when he turns into the Hulk and the Hulk is going round, then he, he obviously the Hulk goes to this girl who's fishing in this like sort of forest and she screams and gets on her like a boat, a canoe thing. And he ends up picking a tree up and the dad shoots him. And you've got the worst blood effects I've ever seen. It looks like he's <laughs> chewed on by a felt tip. It doesn't even look <laughs> like blood. So, but his shirt now, because obviously when you change to the Hulk, it stretches the fabric that much. It turns it into a triple XL Sure, and he's got this, what can I be described as tent on the back. It's even when he's the Hulk. And then when he changes back to David, I was absolutely wetting myself because his whole outfit is like he's put on someone who's about a foot bigger than him and about five (laughs) thick stone heavier than him, which is just nonsense because just, just scientifically, it would not make any sense. And it just looks absolutely ridiculous when, when, David Bannon's walking around with that, that thing. And I don't know about you, but I was just wetting myself thinking, how has someone even come to the conclusion that this would make sense, even in the 70s? They're not, there was a lot of clever people about then, Dave. Um, I think it, it was a more naive time, wasn't it? I mean, how do, we, how do his trousers stay on? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I thought you were going to say with the continuity, because you've got, you've got one minute, you've got one shot, you've got this big, massive, hulking, Lou Ferrigno bicep pumping there. But then the camera goes to Bill Bigsby, Bigsby's face. And yeah. like you say, it's just so obvious. <laughs> it's, you know, it's terrible. It's, it's like two people because Bill's a, a normal bloke. But yeah, I thought, you, you know, I, again, watching it slightly differently now from all those years ago, I was thinking, yeah, little girl. I think I'd be running off and jumping in the lake too. Yeah, <laughs> you know, with that wig. I mean, he's he's a he is a scary looking bloke, isn't yeah, he? Really scary. And I've got, I've, I can I say this, Dave? I've got to say, you know, the one thing that really, <laughs> I don't know why I thought of this, Dave, but what I kept thinking is, if the Hulk grows that big, his whole body, what happens to the Hulk's piece? <laughs> Crossed in proportion, I imagine. <laughs> <laughs> I have to say, <laughs> I'm sure you're not the first person to question. I'm <laughs> thinking that, but but yeah. So I mean that. So, be... I mean, I, I will say to you. You know, I've talked about it before, but one of the 
key kind of graphic novels, or, or it was like six issues, I think, that was written was written by Mark Millar, uh, called The Ultimates. So it was a reimagining of the Marvel Universe, and it was brought about in the 2000s to try and simplify a lot of that continuity. And so it was, it was just bringing everything up to date and, and saying, right, what if it all started now? In that first Ultimates trade that they've got, I mean, Hulk's just really horny. <laughs> <laughs> and he's trying to find Betty. <laughs> So you're gonna, in terms of recommended reading, you might want to read that one if that uh, if that amuses you. <laughs> oh, very good, very good. But a very weird opening first act, Dave. I've got to say. Yeah. So let's let's move on to this next bit then. So a confused and disoriented David comes to by the lake, and he's been shot in the arm, and his clothes torn to shreds. He turns up at his friend and colleague's house, Doctor Elena. Elena listens to David's story, believes him, and reassures him that because David Banner wouldn't kill anyone, then this Mr. Hyde character wouldn't as well. The two set about trying to recreate the conditions of David's change in a remote laboratory and initially can't find the catalyst for the transformation. Reporter Jack McGee turns up and starts to ask some awkward questions about the sighting of the green monster and the doctors deny all knowledge. After the initial experiments prove fruitless, David decides to get some sleep. And while he's having a nightmare about that fateful crash, he transforms into the Hulk and Elena observes and records notes. So what do you reckon to this middle section, Chris? <laughs> this is the one, Dave, where I'm calling out Continuity 101. You have <laughs> mentioned it in the podcast before that the 1970s was a, sort of a pass because there was no such thing as continuity then. But when Bruce turns I, I keep calling him Bruce. Apologies, guys. But when David turns up at the flat, at Elena's flat, he comes on, he's got this tent on now, the Hulk's tent, which is absolutely horrendous. He's walking around in it. And she's in the shower, so he's knocking on the door. She's in the shower. She's got like a towel wrapped around her head, which obviously women do that even to this day, which is when your hair's wet and everything, you wrap the towel around it. And she puts on, obviously, the, the sort of dressing gown and that and, and goes to open the door. And when Bruce is at the door, he obviously looks disheveled. She sees that he's been shot. So she she says to him at one point, oh, my God, put this on it. Takes the towel off, and her hair's bone dry. And it's not only bone dry, <laughs> it's styled in the Farrah Fawcett mould of 1970s haircut. And I'm thinking, oh, come on. You know what I mean? It's like, obviously, she's the star alongside him. I was like, do you think she's kicked off and said, I need my hair to be dry? I just thought, it doesn't make any sense, that whatsoever at all. Yeah, I hear what you're saying, but I was just going all gooey-eyed for old Susan Sullivan there, to be honest. <laughs> I wasn't looking for continuity problems. I was just thinking, oh, Elena. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I do agree on that, Dave. She's a very attractive lady. It wasn't necessarily – I was trying to find him. I thought that was too obvious. That you, I was thinking, oh, come on. You know what I mean? But, again, you know, she's saying about David's arm, saying, like, you know, he, he say he, the, the wound looks like it's three days old and he'd just been – you know, shot, which obviously was the healing powers of the Hulk. And I didn't, I actually... No, I, I would have thought, though, so that line of dialogue jumped out at me. It's like three days old. And I'm thinking, surely, because he said it passed straight through, surely a three-day-old bullet wound straight through your arm looks a lot worse than that little 
bit of scar nick. tissue that he had. Yeah, the little nick as well. Because what I found really interesting, Dave, about the healing powers, which I don't remember, to be honest, was apparently later on in the series, in one of the other seasons, uh, David Banner actually gets paralysed. I don't know if you remember it. And he becomes a paraplegic in one of the episodes because he breaks his back and severs his, you know, his... Oh, I don't remember that. No, I, no. I, don't, I don't remember it. It was in the research I'd done. And he says apparently at some point he gets angry. And once he gets angry, he turns into the Hulk. And then obviously he's back to being the Hulk. But when he turns back to him, he's completely healed. He's, he's, he's not disabled anymore because he's, his body's all fused back together. I know it's within the storyline and that, but I'd never realised there was that sort of healing power to his character as such. So... Quite, I don't know why I never picked up on that. I'll be quite honest with you. But yeah, when I read that, I thought I'd, I'd be quite interested to see that episode, how they did it back then. I'm sure it's going to be atrocious. But uh, yeah, it's really weird. But I've got to say, Dave, I, I, I'm still bought into Bill Bixby, David Banner, as a character. I don't think it's the worst thing I've ever seen, I'll be honest with you. I just think it's the Hulk and Luther Rigno. He's, he's just terrible. The direction they give him to play the Hulk and what that Kenny Johnson thought the Hulk should be, I think it's really poor. Yeah, I must admit, it, it did put me off. I'd kind of forgotten a little bit about the grunting and just quite how pronounced that was. And and the wig as well was was pretty bad standing out. <laughs> yeah, it was really bad. I was expecting a load of eggs to be hatched or something, David. I mean, it, it's the forehead for me. I can't get past that forehead and the weird bushy eyebrows. <laughs> They're trying to make him less like Bill Bixby. And obviously, Lou Ferrigno looks nothing like Bill Bixby. They, might, they should have just kept it. I know later on he doesn't look like that. He's pretty much Lou Ferrigno, isn't he? As the series goes on, he evolves slightly. But it was it was a really bad. And I agree with you, like that girl. Anybody would have. If some bloke stood next to you, supposedly seven foot tall, green, muscles on muscles on muscles, and he's grunting at you. Dave, I'm jumping anywhere to get out of yeah. that. You know what I mean? No matter how big you are, you, you are gone, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, it was pretty scary. And, and the old Elena, she had some staying power, didn't she? So, you know, they, they'd found this lab, you know, and they it's conveniently it's, it's fortified and whatever. So, you know, six inch glass. And, uh, but when, when he actually changes, when he hulks out there, she's like, David. David, <laughs> she's looking through and you got this rampaging green monster. It's like, David? <laughs> yeah, whack. The windows are going through, aren't they? <laughs> She's got a voice recorder. Yeah, they, and actually, I must admit, I jumped there. <laughs> when he puts his arm through the window and she's right next to it, I did jump a bit. <laughs> but I'm thinking, why anyone in their right mind? Because she's recording her notes, you know. He's getting really angry. He's got <laughs> no control. He's trying to bash through the door and stuff and then my mind starts to go to a comedy level and it's like well when do you actually run when is it you run off you know he's like tearing me in half <laughs> yeah no, I, I agree because I, I thought the same thing because when the hulk eventually gets out of this chamber he's like a russian standoff now obviously he's not done anything at the moment it's the second time we've actually seen him in the film but she's got some bottle to stand there to do that. I know it's all within the story because she knows it's David inside, but the Hulk actually understands her, which I just find totally incomprehensible. I was thinking that just makes no logical sense. And she has this like 
chat with him, doesn't she, and everything. And then eventually he turns back, doesn't he? But he was just like, oh, this is terrible. It, it really <laughs> it, I mean, and I, I agree with you. I know I slated like weird science and that for being of the time and it's something I never watched the first time round, so I had no nostalgic glasses on or anything watching it. And even this, like I say, I'm not hating on it completely. I don't think it's the worst thing I've ever reviewed. I genuinely don't. But And it's also a pilot, so you've got to forgive it like that, Dave. But genuinely, it's just the, it's just the Hulk more than anything. It made Lou Ferrigno, but I also think like that's probably why he's typecast because he's just not acting. He's just grunting and he's punching through things and throwing things. And I know that's what we get in the Avengers as such, but there is a character in there, a personality with this. It's just a 1970s pilot that that's poorly executed. How it got commissioned after watching this, I do not know. Well, again, I, I guess it's easier for me to put myself back in the time because I'd watched it then. But, you know, you, you'd never had anything like the Mark Ruffalo Hulk at that time. No. You know, the Ed Norton one. In fact, they, they just got better and better. The 2000 Lee Ang Lee, 2003 Ang Lee Hulk as well. You know, it, that wasn't nearly as good as what came after it. Yeah. You know, but at least that, that went down the CGI route. Whereas in the seventies, you've there's no such thing as CGI. You have to make it all practical effects. And if you want a Hulk, you need one of the biggest blokes on the planet. So you're looking at either Arnie or Lou Ferrigno. Exactly. I mean, like say Lou Ferrigno's six five, Dave. Even to this day, he still trains. He's sixty seven, I think now, and he still looks great. So it, he's always been a bodybuilder. He's huge, and I know. It sounds daft, Dave, but he made a comeback in about ninety two bodybuilding, and he was even bigger then than he was oh, wow. in the Hulk. And he's huge in the Hulk there. He's about 300 pounds of muscle. He's like, he's just massive. He's a massive bloke. So that side of it, I've got no problem because he, he, he's, he's in such good shape, Lou Ferrigno. You know, he's a lifelong bodybuilder. Total respect for him. I just feel for him because he's actually partially deaf, Lou Ferrigno. So I don't know whether, yeah, yeah. He, you know, you see that in Pumping Iron, he, 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 he lip reads and he can it's, understand. It's how he speaks, isn't it? You can tell. Yeah, yeah, you can tell. Yeah, he has. He has. He had. Um, I think he had measles or something when he was a kid. You know, and it was when he was a baby. I think I remember correctly from Pump. I should know that from Pumping Iron. His dad even says it in the film. I would say, right. So, so I love Arnie. You, you love Arnie as well. But I say, and you say you watch Pumping Iron. I've probably seen it two or three times. Arnie comes across like a tool to Lou Ferrigno. Yeah, he does. But apparently, that's they told him to do that the directors, because they said, I've got all the making. I've actually got, because you've, you've got Pumping Iron, you've got the making of it as well. Um, oh, right. Ah, oh, I'd be interested in watching on, that then. It's on YouTube. It's on YouTube. They, they right, mean, right. Because what happens is, it, they, they, they need a narrative. So this is, there's a line where Arnie actually says, uh, it's, it's, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do his accent now, Dave. It's, it's terrible. They talk about him being driven and, and his only cause in life is to bodybuild. And he says, uh, it's like my father, he he died. My what? My mom told me and I didn't go to the funeral, you know, and I said, oh, right. And I grieved afterwards, but I didn't go to his, you know, and he, he, that's a terrible line impression. But he, but, pretty much, yeah. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Just me with a deeper voice. But um, <laughs> he, he says that in that, well, that wasn't true. That wasn't true. It was a narrative they played out. So what they said is, it's like that in, in Pumping Iron, there's another guy called Ken Waller, who's an amateur bodybuilder who trains Ivan, one of Arnie's friends. They make him go up against another guy called Mike Katz, where 
when they go to the Olympia, they're trying to get their professional cards. And he goes around and steals his Mike Katz T-shirt. And he's dead, like, yeah, yeah. dead off with him saying, oh, we're going to mess him up. And, and, and he does the same thing Arnie does. So they needed to tell a story. Like, Arnie was really, really helpful, training people really good. He was a personal trainer then, Dave, which was unheard of. He used to get people in shape as well to make money in that. And that's why he could, he could come and train for some. So... He wasn't that pompous and, and arrogant. It was just a story and a character he created. But that's obviously why he became successful because of that character. So, yeah, like, okay. he's really bad with Lou for ignoring that. He's, the day of the tournament, uh, the day the, the thing he sat with his mum and dad, and he said, "You're psyching him out." He goes, "I'll get him on stage and I'll mess him up." And oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he tells that story about a guy in Germany who he says he wants to. To, to, to you know, do something different. So Arnie makes him scream on stage and stuff, and and all this, and he gets his guy kicked yeah. on stage. It's all fabricated stories that he made. Uh, right, okay. So I I do remember the other bloke uh, who stole his t-shirt and that. He he was a bloke, wasn't he? He was saying his chest too big for his for yeah. his arms or something. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's Ken Waller. Yeah, because the the actually film pumping iron with a comedian. And he's a comedian, right, Dave? It's really interesting. I know we're doing the whole world, but it's really interesting because this comedian is like his sidekick because they didn't think Arnie could carry the film. And then halfway through making it, this comedian gave all his money back. He was a big, famous comedian at the time. He gave all the money back to put it back in production and walked away and said, don't use my stuff, just concentrate on Arnie because he's absolute gold. You don't right, right. He was just getting it where he, he, there's loads of footage of Arnie training this dead weedy guy and trying to get him to look like Arnie, and they're supposed to play off the fact that Arnie was the straight man, and they were having a joke and that, but he said it doesn't work. He said, just concentrate on Schwarzenegger. And this guy actually, was that de- de- integrity that Arnie gives him loads of praise, he just walked away from it all. Yeah, fair play. I'm going to have to try and dig out that YouTube documentary. It's like, yeah, it's definitely on there. It's about 45 minutes, because on top of that, I'll, I'll, I'll stop segueing off now, but on top of that, Arnie came back in 1980, and won Mr. Olympia again. He's won it six times. He was off for five years, but he was training for Conan and he got in shape in six weeks, bodybuilding shape, but he wasn't, uh, his arms are huge. Arnie always got it for his arms. His arms are massive. The biggest arms in bodybuilding at the time. Nobody could compete with him, but his legs weren't as defined as they were in 75. So he come back and he shouldn't have won it and he did win it. And they said it was because two of his friends were the judges. And that's a massive, that's on, that's actually on YouTube, the whole, a documentary about that as well. It's a brilliant. I'll have to dig them out for you. They're brilliant to watch because they all call Arnie saying he, it, it was all done for friends. Yeah, I'm sure a lot of that is. To be honest, uh, yeah, it's it's subjective, isn't it? But yeah. but okay, <laughs> enough tangent. Tangent's Sorry. enough. Sorry, That's man. all right. No, no, genuinely interesting. I will watch that. So. um just the only thing to say on this as well is uh, Jack McGee. Yeah. So, again, uh, looking back at this, I remember old annoying Jack McGee. Um, but, I mean, what what did you make to him, seeing him for the first time? I, I mean, to be honest, Dave, having researched it, he's obviously a stalwart within the series, isn't he? He's always, like, one step behind Banner, isn't he? And yeah. Stuff, and yeah, find, yeah, yeah. Trying to find his secret. I didn't think much of him. I I sort of thought, is he going to be some like head the ball, head case or something? Is he going to be like the main thing with David? And I kept thinking, he's not really that convincing as a bad guy. He's just more of annoying, isn't he? And he plays his part quite well, to be honest. Yeah, and he does what a journalist is supposed to do. I mean, they all kind of, everyone who he interacts with, he obviously works for a, you know, a paper or a magazine that, 
people don't like. I don't know how he makes a living because he always, you know, throughout the series, like you say, he's always one step behind. I guess he, he does get stories and he prints, but he, he never gets the exclusive. He never actually sees anything. He just sees, like, footprints and stuff. I think, oh, I'd have to, you know what, it, it does have me chomping at the bit to watch the whole series again. Um which I may do after this, but I, I can't think, does he actually, he, he probably must come face to face with the Hulk at some point, but I think most of the time, you know, he's just, he's just following him town to town. And um, the other thing I remember is David Banner is supposed to be dead, but he chooses the lamest names, which are basically just a derivative of David Banner. I, I, one, the only one I can remember is David Banyan. <laughs> It's it's all like, it's just very very similar. So you know you you couldn't even say oh no it's it's not me. It's like well your name's almost the same. Could you not make it like Fredwardo or something? You know, make it something completely different. But yeah, it's always quite similar. That's terrible, Dave. Terrible. But yeah, just to, again, it's it's just for me. It's a real mismatch of of seventies, like you say affects seven everything is just the 70s unfortunately and i've got to say dave i'll be completely honest with you i enjoyed the spider-man 1977 a lot more than this a lot more than this well you know what i think i love that lonely man soundtrack yeah i remember so so i don't know if anyone actually listens to the to the end of the pod but sometimes I'll stick something on there. And so when we went and reviewed Fantastic Four, it was just when Stan Lee had passed, wasn't it? Yeah. And so I put a little clip of Stan just talking about creating the Fantastic Four, and I put on it as well, I put the Lonely Man music. And I must admit, I, I must have listened to that myself about 15 times or something, and it choked me every time. I, I just love that piece of music. But what the Spider-Man 70s TV pilot had was funky music all the way throughout. Yeah, yeah. And there were just lots of, I don't know if they were intentional funny fun bits, but, you know, where he's fighting the guy with the guys with the kendo sticks and you've got the guy just hiding behind the curtain. You know, you've got some unintentional gaffes like that, whereas this is, it's just a bit more serious, isn't it? A bit, bit more drama to it. Yeah, and I think as well, Dave, I might be completely wrong here because I don't know the gentleman and obviously he's not with us now, but it seems a bit forced with Bill Bixby. When he's trying to be angry, I get the feeling that he was a really, really nice bloke. And it seems, it always to me, when he's acting angry and upset, he seems quite alien to me. I, mm-hmm. I, I, know, I know it's all acting and he might have been an absolute tyrant and not somebody... That, that not a lot of people liked, but to me, it seemed as if he was a really nice bloke trying to be, be horrible when he was like driven about finding this cure. And I was never completely convinced by him when he was doing that. I think that's just a, a different way of saying the acting was just not tip top, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, I, I have to say, so what? one thing I did think, and I mentioned the, the young lad who'd been saved from the car. I mean, he, honestly, well, he's, he would be older than us now, so he'd probably come around and beat me up. But um, in Umbrella Academy, you've got that young lad playing like a 50-year-old bloke, yeah. and you just watch it and you think, God, this actor's great. And I, I believe he's a 50-year-old bloke in that young lad's body yeah. Yeah. you know the i think the standard of acting is just so much higher 
than than it was in the seventies, quite honest. And that's that's not sort of looking back and saying, Oh, it's better now than it was then. I, I, I do genuinely think, you know, people just spend a lot more time studying things like acting, don't they? I yeah, mean yeah. this was this was nineteen seventy seven. So it's thirty two years after the end of the Second World War. Yeah. So people at the at the other side of that war have had a lot more to deal with than going to drama school and and you know working on their acting skills. Yeah. Where you know so whereas now obviously you know there's all kinds of drama schools, isn't there? And so you would expect just naturally the standard of acting to be better. Yeah, I think I agree with that. I think as well you, you'll get people like that. Like you say we mentioned the Dukes, we had the Fall guy. And it's no disrespect then. There's obviously actors around that time. So if you've got late, like, you've got Marlon Brando, Jack Nicholson, Al Pacino, Robert De Niro. You've, even then, they were like the stalwarts, weren't they? Some amazing actors. And then you had older actors who had come from the sort of golden age, silver screen stuff. So so these actors there, but in these TV shows, Dave, and I used to like a lot of Starsky and Hutch and stuff like that. It's like they just turn up on set because someone said, you don't fancy starring <laughs> in a show, do you? And, that, and that's true. A lot of the young kids in these shows look like they've never acted ever, do they? They do. And that's not being totally arrogant or anything. We've watched that many of the American TV shows that it just looked like anybody could get a job on a TV show. There was that many of them just to fill a gap. Just say a line here, you'll be all right. Because some, yeah. some of it's what I mean. What I was alluding to earlier on, and I'm not trying to get political or anything like that, but the lady in question who lifts the car in the first act is, is a black lady, and they've put the worst makeup on her ever. And, and, and to be honest, in this day and age, it really, really hit a chord with me, Dave, thinking that is absolutely terrible, you know, what they've done to her face. I just, I, it just really, I was really, and I'm not, you know, I'm not like, you know, it's not like me to be like this, but genuinely, I was really unsettled seeing that, thinking, wow, that's just really bad, that, you know, because they're trying to make out she's scarred, don't they? But they, they don't, and it just looks really bad. I mean, I won't say any more on that, but I just, it, that's the 70s. Are you saying, because it, I mean, it looks white, doesn't it? Yes. It looks like they've put white makeup on. Yeah. And it just looks really bad. It's like, is that the best you can come up with even then? You know, he obviously it probably was because even the shows and that, you watch Dirty Harry and stuff like that. There, You know, I used to love that film, but there's a lot of unintentional racism there, isn't there? It was the world they lived in then, unfortunately. But it's yeah. really bad. I was really uncomfortable with that bit, I've got to say, at the start. Yeah, and it's it's one of those as well, isn't it? It's like, it looks terrible, you know, and it doesn't look real. So why insist on that line of dialogue? Yeah, yeah. You know, because it's supposed to be that she's burned that side of her face. Uh, but, I mean, when they were doing the flashback, she didn't get anywhere near the flames. No, and it doesn't even show the, the the car going up in her face or anything, which is what they're alluding to. It doesn't even show that, does it? Maybe, yeah, yeah. Maybe the budget had run out at that point, Dave. <laughs> I, think, I think there was a bit of that. Because, again, with the standard of acting, you're constrained by tv budget which is nothing like what it is today no is it is it but yeah it's a very it just plods along really doesn't it this middle bit for me just plods along yeah well let's get into our final act then so the tenacious jack mcgee strongly suspects david and elena aren't telling him the whole truth and tries to find evidence of the monster in the lab upon being found he accidentally knocks over flammable chemicals which go unnoticed and david talks to him outside and tells him that he wouldn't like him when he's angry 
The chemicals cause an explosion and fatally wound Dr. Elena. David transforms into the Hulk to try and rescue her, but is unable to save her. David is now presumed dead and the Hulk suspected of his and Elena's murder. So he sets off on the road. What do you make to this bit, Chris? I can't wait to it's for end. <laughs> to end, Dave. Sorry. Do you not think it was all a bit emotional that bit in the end where Lena dies and he's like, she's putting her hand on on his face and she says, you know, sort of out of nowhere, you know, his wife's only eleven months dead and she tells tells him she loves him, but he's the Hulk, so he doesn't know. Yeah, uh, no, Dave. <laughs> and and you know, the Hulk's obviously got a love for her, and she's got she's got a hand up to his face. And then it drops away, but then he's in a childlike way. He's trying to put the hand back up to the face, and it, it's all very sad. Yeah, no, I think really. <laughs> <laughs> you and me are just watching this completely differently, yeah. aren't we? <laughs> I didn't, I didn't I've got. I think you're right, though, Dave. I think we've, you've got an emotional connection to it as from watching it from your retro side of it because you've already seen it, and you, in some respects, you are aware of the characters and stuff. So, yeah, I'm not. And, um, and, and irrespective, I can watch something from the 50s and 60s and get into it, not just because of the effects or because we're so spoiled, even in the TV shows these days are so well made. I can watch stuff from the 60s. I, I love to this day shows and that. You know, like I say, I could watch the Dukes of Hazzard, which probably had a terrible budget and the, the, the green screen stuff with the car and that is awful. But I can watch it and get into it. But with this, I just didn't care. I was just like, you know, once, once he changes... I know it sounds bad because that's the whole point of this, the premise of the Hulk, which I love. I'm out on this one. I really am out on it. And I, I can't get past the makeup or anything. I, I just can't believe that in the 70s, we were in HD. I get that. HD tells a thousand sins these days and what you're watching and that. But I can't believe that, like, my mum and dad would have watched this or anything. And they watched it and, and thought, you know what? That looks fantastic when he's the Hulk. You know what I mean? Like, it, it just looks awful. Absolutely awful. And, and, yeah, she goes, he sets up the TV series. Really, but the only thing I'll say, Dave, about the third act, that which really has intrigued me, is I do want to sort of watch the first series to see if it gets better. Because I don't think it's absolutely horrendous, but I just think I, I was just waiting for the end of it to finish in the end. So I'm, it, it has dragged me in a little bit, to be fair. And more because I, I avoided it when I was a kid. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I think, I and I'm... I, I remember this pilot very, very well, but there's a lot that I've forgotten as well. So, and at 10 p a pop, you know, for, for each episode, I, I might just go all in on that, I think. Yeah. But yeah, I, th- I think, I, I think you should. I mean, again, just, just to see what you've missed out on. And I have to say, you know, did people really buy this? I think they did. I remember I used to stay over at my nan's quite a bit. And I remember my uncles, one of my uncles had a big picture of the Hulk, you know, which is basically Lou Ferrigno in that same bodybuilder pose. <laughs> yeah. I remember he had, he had that up on his bedroom wall. So, you know, I, th- I think people bought into it, hook, line and sinker. I mean, what at the time in the late seventies, and don't say Star Wars, because <laughs> <laughs> the effects on that are just abnormal. What else have you got that's like that? I mean, Star Trek was I, in the I, 60s, yeah, wasn't I, it? I, I, I never liked Star Trek, so I, I never... We had Battlestar Galactica, Dave, which was out around about the same time. But then again, Book Rogers, they were sort of early 80s, late 70s, because I remember... Uh, the, 
Dirk Benedict was in Battlestar Galactica. He was face out of the A team. Yeah, yeah, I remember Even that. Then, they, they weren't great effects in that, to be honest. That's that's what I mean. So, you know, I'm just calling out the sci-fi stuff because that's where, you know, you're not talking about Kojak or Columbo or something, are you, where it's just every day. TV no. series where they have to make someone up. What what else compares to it out there? No, there isn't. I, I, I think you're right to call me out on that. There isn't. There was only the Spider-Man stuff, and it's a totally different... Like you said, it was more funky 70s sort of comedy, wasn't it, really, in some respects? Yeah, and ultimately, you know, it's just... So, I know we went off on a bit of a bodybuilding tangent, but I don't think it was that normal, was it? You know, were bodybuilding championships televised? No, but bodybuilders then, Dave, were freaks, like circus freaks, like it says in Pumping Iron. They were, they were like someone they reeled out as totally abnormal, like a bearded lady or that sort of type of situation. Yeah, so so people watching this won't have seen someone as massive as Lou Ferrigno, typically. No. You know, so Spider-Man, all right, he's got his Spider-Man suit on, but it's basically a bloke who's had no martial arts training whatsoever. <laughs> no, no, Dave, no, no. Just no training on anything whatsoever. No <laughs> so, you know, to see this on on the screen for the first time in the 70s, I, I, I could see why people could, could get into this. You know and what, I, good point. Very good point, actually, Dave. I've got to hold my hands up. Sorry to cut across you, but that's I, right. I agree with you there. So, and as well, I think one of the problems with comic book movies and TV for years and years was that they'd pick up these properties and they're not really like the source material, not really work with the writers because they, they consider themselves, you know, if you're a TV writer, you're better than a comic book writer. So they're not interested, you know, in what they've got to say. So that, so that has been a problem. But for the tools that they had at their disposal to make it so, so much more about the drama as opposed to the Hulk bits, I think Hulk only hulked out twice an episode as i can't remember where i recall that from it might have been that hulk documentary i was on about on youtube yeah but it, you know because because the hulking out bits apparently with the expensive bits i mean i'd have thought the the explosion in this pilot was was probably the expensive bit but you know so they tried to craft the story a lot more on the drama and so they reckon that you know it's a lot more it was actually a lot more women that used to watch the hulk yeah yeah, for that, because of his physique and stuff, yeah. No, 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 not just Corbin, his, his hunky <laughs> physique, but but because of the drama, it, it was appealing more to uh, to women at the time, as opposed to, like, you know, young blokes who, who were into superheroes. Ah, right, right. I thought that's an interesting take on it, Dave. Yeah, so, and so I think, although I think it's been a problem to ignore what the source material is, I think for this series, I mean, it's so iconic. I think it was a good move. Mm, yeah. I, 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 like I say, forget what I'm saying and what I'm thinking, looking at it like 40 years later. I think what you've just said is pretty bang on, to be honest. As much as I'm having a laugh at it, as usual with these things. <laughs> I agree. I agree. Yeah, but again, it's, it's great when we when we've got something to disagree with as opposed to Hellboy. It's just <laughs> rubbish. Um, so, uh, you know, and, and it is genuinely interesting. Like I say, I, I can almost 
remember all of this apart from the comedy opening sickly sweet bit. Yeah, yeah. No, like I say, I have no nothing going into this. So it's been good. It's been it's good. It's a good thing to watch. And like I say, it has wet my palate to watch more. It feels like it's something I completely missed and I should have watched. So I agree with you at ten p ago it's it's a no-brainer even if you just watch the first season i think the 499 i'm amazing maybe the whole thing dave all 80 episodes uh, all right a fiver ah oh, it's got to be done <laughs> i know i was thinking that maybe we should revisit at some point and just give a an overall review of the first series if we get through it yeah we we could do that i'm not going to commit to it though because I, I wanted to watch more of the spider-man as well but it's just yeah. so much that comes out but no i think i'll probably just work through if it's a fiver for the whole thing just work through the series bit by bit and uh yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm intrigued to even just for myself to think oh i remember that or, yeah. or I don't. Because like I say, re-watching this, I remember really quite a lot of it. No, no, it's good. It's good. So are you ready to go to review, Dave? Yeah, let's go for it. Now, Dave, it's me this week, isn't it? Oh, Sorry, Scott. here we go. There we go. No. I'll be honest with you, I've gone into it totally blind, irrespective of me not being petrified now at 40 of uh, the Hulk as I was as a kid, not not knowing what to expect, remembering when I've seen pictures of the Hulk and watched like the odd old episode of that. I remember seeing the four film originally in 1988 years ago and thinking, oh my word, what is this? But yeah, I, I think... It's just pricked enough interest for me. I don't think it's a Phantom Zone. I really don't. And you'd be quite surprised by that. I think the Hulk is one of my favourite superhero characters. I think if if I had to put them in order, it would be a standalone movies, Dave. Forget Endgame as much as, you know, for me, Captain America stole Endgame, to be honest, from nowhere because I was never completely bought into him. I absolutely loved him. I think it's always going to be Superman, Batman, then it's a cross between the Hulk and Spider-Man, and that's mainly for the cartoons that I watched as a kid, and then you've got X-Men and blah, blah, blah after that. But for me, just for the fact that it's the Hulk and my sort of love for Lou Ferrigno as a bodybuilder, I can't put it as a Phantom Zone. As much as he's terrible in it, I'm really intrigued to watch more, so I'm sending it to Hell's Kitchen, Dave. And, and also, I think what you've said at the end knocks a bit of sense into me as well. I should maybe look at it from that perspective of it being that old and where it came from and it being probably quite a trailblazer of its time, to be honest, Dave, and creating a monster, if I can say that terrible pun. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, very good. Very good. So I wasn't really sure what to expect. I, I knew it was going to be fairly terrible. A few years ago, I'd, tried to show it to my little lad, as I mentioned before, and it, I got about five minutes in and into the title credits, I think we lasted, and, and then that was it. He, he wouldn't watch anymore, but it was kind of funny going back and watching it. And then I'm sure a couple of years before that, I'd watched the Hulk documentary as well, so they had clips going back. So it's not as if I haven't watched any pieces of it for 30 years, but watching the end-to-end movies, it's a solid 30 years since I've last seen this. And as soon as it started, that opening scene which is the most 70s sickly lovely thing 
yeah. I've seen. I was just thinking, oh my god, my little day voodoo doll is taking a pound in at Chris's place right now. <laughs> And it was just more ridiculous than I could have hoped for. It was aeroplane levels of comedy. But once it got into the story again, I I remembered a lot of the dialogue, a lot of the things coming up. It is a lot slower and a lot more boring than I remember. But then I just think that was a product of the time. I think that's how 70s movies were. I thought I made it through the whole... I did this in one sitting. Yeah. Now, for a lot of these older movies, if you know yourself, you've got to kind of split it up because it's just like, it's all right, okay, <laughs> let's just walk around for a bit because you're trying to concentrate as well. So you're trying not to like play around with your phone and stuff while you're watching these things. But sometimes it's hard to keep concentrated on some of these older things for so long. But I must admit, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Unlike the Spider-Man, there, it was missing that funky soundtrack that just kind of had you tapping your foot. But, you know, it's probably got better music. That Lonely Man music kept appearing in, in like, different pieces throughout the film. And I, I just think that's a beautiful, beautiful piece of music, and especially when it's just the piano on its own at the end. Now, it's very, very hard to give this one a score. Because I'm watching it now and I'm thinking, oh, I remember all this. And I've got more love for it. So what I would say is, if you've watched this and you you have a love for it inherently, yeah, go back and watch it. Especially 10p on Amazon Prime. If you've never seen it before, certainly if you're in the younger crowd, (laughs) don't bother. You don't need to watch it. So maybe watch the title credits on YouTube or something, and that is enough. Just watch it for that comedy kind of Lou Ferrigno green wig, which looks pretty awful. It looks a lot more terrible than I ever remember, to be honest. And the eyebrows, I mean, it looks like he's, he's... eating a bad blowfish or something or been stung <laughs> by a wasp and had an anaphylactic shock. It looks pretty terrible. So I would say this is all over the place, just from whether you've watched it and are of that age or if you haven't watched it at all. But on balance, I am going to send it as well to Hell's Kitchen because as much as I, I think this was a trailblazing film, a trailblazing TV series, you just can't forgive it for, for no. enough. So, you know, again, if I was watching this back in 1977, you know, and I was old enough to appreciate it then, which I wasn't, then you you would probably think this is pretty great and you'd probably be rating this up at Atlantis or even an Asgard. But uh, but we're not. We're reviewing it in 2019, and so Hell's Kitchen it goes. Yeah. Oh, it's a good one, Dave. Very good. Now, Chris, have you got any plugs for us? Yeah, um... Get over to our Twitter page if you can, guys. If you don't follow us and get involved and get talking to us about some of the content we've reviewed or anything you want us to review in the near future, on Twitter we are at Comics in Motion P. And if you want to email the show, Comics in Motion Podcast at gmail dot com. And also, if you're interested in travel, guys, I am on YouTube and do a lot of vlogging of my travels. I've got a load of series of different parts of the world. It's the Phelps travel vlog on youtube guys so uh thank you very much the stretford judith charmers are we (laughs) (laughs) 
So, <laughs> or Michael Palin? Are you going for more of a Manchester yeah, yeah. Michael Palin? Yeah, I'd, I'd like that more actually. Yeah, Michael Palin. <laughs> very good, very good. So, Chris, how are you going to finish off this episode? <laughs> I've got you for weeks now, haven't I? Um, you have. <laughs> I know, I've got it. So, guys, obviously, growing up as a kid, I was absolutely petrified of the Hulk. And the only thing that made me do when I was watching this was to say to anybody who came near me, you won't like it when I'm angry. See you next week. Bye.